And because that was the mindset, they missed the Messiah. And, and, and we, as a people, as apostolics, as Christians, we have to make sure that we don't get so caught up in our religion. Uh, we, we don't get caught up in who we are that we don't try to make sure people understand that the Messiah has come and he will return and we better be ready for him. We need to be able to communicate to people that the Messiah is for everybody. And not just one group of people. Uh-huh. And so Israel believed the Gentiles were unable to receive God's promises. That meant the promise of the Messiah was possessed only by them. That's how they thought it. As strangers to God, we were without hope. If we will really come to understand that, I believe that we would look at things differently. Hopelessness stems from being without God in this world. So I believe sometimes we might look at people that are that have less than we do and we might look at them as poor thing. They are hopeless. Or if they're sick and it, and it, and they don't seem to be getting well, we look at them poor thing. They have no hope. But church, hope has nothing to do with being well in your body. Hope has nothing to do with how much money you have. Hope, hope has nothing to do with all those things. Hope has to do with, do you know Jesus? <laughs> because he is hope. Do you know Jesus? And when you come to know Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus, you have hope. The Gentiles were the walking, breathing, living definition of hopelessness because they didn't know the Messiah. They didn't know Almighty God. They were ignorant to the ways of God, his promises, and even his word. And because they lacked hope, the Gentiles viewed life, listen to me, because they lacked hope, the Gentiles, Gentiles viewed life as a cycle, believing that everything that has been will be again. They had no ultimate goal to reach. So listen to me, church. If we don't have an ultimate goal, it means we have no hope. If we don't have an ultimate goal, it means we have no hope. But I got to take it further than that and say if our goal is not to be what Jesus wants us to be, if our goal is not to have a relationship with Jesus, uh, we have no hope. The Gentiles had to face life in all of its cruelty alone with no one to turn to, no one to pray to, and nowhere to find rest. No wonder idol worship began and having idols as gods was normal because when you have no hope, when you have no hope, you will begin to turn to this to the right and to the left, and you'll begin to search and try to find something to put hope in. As Christians, we should be living a life that is so confident. We should be living a life that is so just bold and, and, and so intently in how we go about what we do because we have hope. We know who hope really is. So when people don't have hope, they turn to idol gods and not probably a statue because you all, when you think about idols, you think about someone bowing down to a statue and all of that stuff. But in modern day, that's kind of not how they do it anymore. In modern day, your idol could be sports. Modern day, your idol could be your nice house. Modern day, your idol could be your material possession. Modern day, your idol could be you had the greatest spouse in the world and you want everybody to know how great your spouse is. So modern day idol worship and bowing down to is different than what it used to be.
to be. Are there still people bowing down to idols? Yes. But I am telling you, when we don't have Christ in our life, we will turn to so many other things as alternative, thinking that we have hope in those things when we don't have any hope in anything else but Christ. I'm talking about us being a blessed and privileged people. Our position in Christ. As strangers to God, we had no ability to help ourselves. Uh huh. We think we be doing stuff when we do our little things, you know. And God is sitting there saying, the only thing you can do is what I allow you to do. All nations and people who were conquered by the Roman Empire coveted Roman citizenship. Certain liberties and freedoms came with such citizenship. Not much has changed when it comes to citizenship of some countries in our world today. Citizenship may carry the promise of a future and hope for a person's children, the right to work legally, and protection from deportation. The promise the person will not be driven out of that land. So everybody wants to have citizenship of the land that they're in because they want the privileges. They want the perks. They want what what comes with being a citizen. And so that's their desire. I want to be a, I want to be a citizen of that great country because there are privileges that comes with it. Without a relationship with God, Without becoming a citizen of his kingdom, we have none of his resources at our hands. We may desire the blessings of citizenship, but we have no ability to acquire it for ourselves. We are truly alone in this world if we are not citizens of God's kingdom. How do you think it feels? Some of you might know this, but how do you think it feels to be lonely and hopeless? Fortunately, we had the opportunity to become citizens of God's kingdom. Anybody that's hearing me tonight under the sound of my voice, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. It doesn't matter what your circumstance or your situation may be. Guess what? As hopeless as it may seem, if you will become a citizen of the kingdom of God, you will instantaneously get hope in your life. Our new citizenship provides great benefits. When you become a citizen of the kingdom of God, it provides great benefits. The kingdom of God is greater than any nation or country here on this earth or outside of this world. That being said, how much more should we desire spiritual citizenship? Let me tell you how good this is, how we can look forward to just being able to to know that we have an opportunity to to grab a hold of hope. We we have an opportunity to grab a hold of hope. But even before that, I got to say, Church, do we understand that we, when we are born again, Sister Kelly, when we're born again, we grab a hold of something that is so wonderful, something that is so beautiful, something that is so great, something that is so magnificent that I believe that if we truly believe that, we would act so much differently. Mm. Think about for those of you that are Bible scholars, think about that lady named Rahab. Before the work had begun being performed at Calvary, Rahab looked to the people of God and understood the value of citizenship. I think about maybe not Rahab all the time, but I think about how she saw the time. 
check this out. At time, or at that time, the people of God, during Rahab's time, the people of God did not have a land of their own. No city they could claim, and no refuge beside the tents they used to set up camp. Even still, Rahab believed the God of the Hebrews would give them the city in which she lived. Even before the victory had been obtained, Rahab believed in the power of being part of God's chosen people. So hear that, prostitute. I'm telling you, church, you better be careful. Normal to you. You better be careful if you let this thing be normal to you. This is just what we do. If we truly get to the place where we are locked in with Christ, we're going to begin to anticipate the things that are supposed to happen. And I'm going to challenge you tonight as a body that we need to start anticipating things, not be reactionary to things. Because if God is the head of this body, then he can feed the information to us that we need to know what's coming up and then respond before it even comes up. But if we're going to stay reactionary, I'm telling you, we're going to lose the kingdom to people that are going to be proactive about it. Joshua chapter 2, verse number 1. I'm going to read a few scriptures in Joshua. The word of the Lord said in verse number 1, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house. <laughs> you know what's funny about that? This mess up some more of our theory. Christian's not supposed to go to a, uh, a, a, a harlot's house. You're a Christian. Why are you going to a harlot's house? Uh-huh. I'm not telling you to go to a harlot's house. I'm just telling you, we got to be careful how we try to perceive things and try to say what should be and what shouldn't be. You never really know what's going on. The harlot name was Rahab and lodged there. Verse number two. And it was told the king of Jericho saying, behold, there came men hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab saying, bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house for they become to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, there came men unto me, but I was not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate when it was dark that the men went out, whither the men went, I won't not pursue after them quickly. For ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax which she had laid upon, I'm sorry, laid in under upon the roof. So what happened? The two men of God came to Rahab's house and Rahab's, Rahab knew the king had sent people to get those men to bring them so they can kill them. And what Rahab sent to them, said to the men that the king sent is saying, oh, those men, they went out the gate. Go pursue after them while she hid them in her house. The prostitute. You would think you figure, yeah, she's trying to make some money. She's probably just going to try to talk them into, you know, her services. So she can make some money. You know, that's how we think. Yeah, that's how she do. Any men, it don't matter where they come from. She's just trying to make some money. That's how we talk about people. And they just go right by us. And we steady talking. That's why I'm telling you sometimes, church, you got to just ignore people that's talking ungodly talk. Just let them talk. 
Because while they're caught up doing the wrong thing, if you would just go by them, you'll be doing the right thing. And they could have been living for God for 20 and 30 years. Act like they got it all together. And you, young Christian, just trying to get by, just keep on going. Because before you know it, you'll cruise on by with a pure, clean heart while they're stuck with their heart darkened and filled with all kind of things because they're doing all kind of talking. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. So the two godly men, Rahab, come up to them now. They were on the roof. That's where she was hiding them. And she said unto the men, I love this. So watch the next few portions of scriptures. How awesome. This is what the prostitute, the harlot, this is what she is now saying to the men of God. I know that the Lord had given you the land. They were just spying the land out. You, you following this? They went to spy out the land. The harlot said, I know. I'm not thinking. I am not guessing. I am not speculating. I am not wondering. I know the Lord, your God, had given you the land. How many of us today as Christians are saying, I know my God is able. Or we, I cannot let Rahab outdo me. Here's Rahab talking some more. And that your terror is falling upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Look at verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. Oh my goodness. When you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Shion and Og, when whom ye utterly destroyed. She says, I heard about your God. And that always know at me because can people look at our life and say, I heard about your God. I, I heard about your God. I've watched your life and I've seen how he has worked in your life and I've seen what he's done for you. I heard about your God. Because I believe that's just exactly what God wants people to see when they see us. He wants them to say, I heard about your God because it's God's will that all be saved and none perish. But how will they know him? How will they want to follow him? Because we have to live that life for them to say, I heard about your God. This is why I say all the time, where's the joy? Where's the gladness? Where's the, the, the rejoicing that, that you are the family of God, that, that, that you are a blessed and privileged people? Where is the excitement about that? Because if there's excitement about that, people are going to say, I heard about your God. I've seen what he's done. And they, too, will be like a Rahab. Verse 11 and as soon as we had heard these things, Rahab's still talking, our hearts did melt. Neither there, ne neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. Oh, my Lord. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. This is the harlot. This is not the Apostle Paul. This is not Jeremiah. This is not Moses or Abraham. This is a harlot talking. Now, therefore, I pray you, swear unto me, the harlot talking, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. 
and that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. Why did this harlot think that these men could promise her these promises? Can you save my daddy's life? Can you save my mama's life, my sisters, all of my siblings? Can you save their life? What made you think these two men have influence or had some kind of authority to do that? Rahab, that's special. She said, make a promise to me because I know, I know your God is God in heaven above and God in earth beneath. I know your God. How in the world is some harlot knowing your God? Do you know your God? Do you know your God? Or are you just going to let some person that's just randomly out there just saying, you know, I've been sitting back watching. Jesus Christ is God Almighty in the flesh. I've been sitting back watching, and I'm telling you, he has opened my eyes to see some things. And we still in the church for so long, just making it, barely making it, have to struggle to get in the house of God. And the men answered her. This is the men of God response. Our life for yours. If ye utter not this, our business, <laughs> old school, don't talk my business. If you utter not this business, and it shall be when the Lord had given us the land. Did y'all miss it? She said, I know the Lord has given you. <laughs> oh, God, I'm telling you, you get into your Bible, you start saying, Lord, help us. She said, the harlot that don't bow down and worship God says, I know the Lord has given you this land. And now God's men, they says, and when God had given us the land. Now I'm not knocking them, but I'm just saying they're, they're talking on when it happened. Rahab is talking. On, it's done. Rahab said it's done. It's already a done deal. They're saying, yeah, it's going to be a done deal. And I think there's still a little bit of difference in one saying it's a done deal and the other saying it will be a done deal. When you say it will be, you leave a little bit of wiggle room to second guess. But when you say it's a done deal, there ain't no wiggle room. It's done. No need to discuss it no more. It's done. And that's how Rahab approached it. And it shall be when the Lord had given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Our new citizenship comes through faith. We need to activate faith in our life and not just let faith escape us and not just go through the motion and not just have intellectual understanding. But we need to let faith begin to work in our life so we can pursue the things of God by faith. Rahab's story perfectly illustrate saving faith. Rahab was without hope. I think many people are without hope but don't know it because they have placed their hope in something or someone fallible or without power. There's many people that think they have hope, and I'm even going to go as far as to say there's people that think I hope I have hope in Christ, but I don't know if they know the Christ that they claim they have hope in. Therefore, they don't really have hope because if you don't know it, you won't or you can't have hope if you don't know it. Rahab's faith is what led her to plead with the two spies for the lives of her and her family. Little did she know what God would do for her. The Lord not only spared her life and the lives of her family, but she became part of the bloodline of Jesus Christ. 
The Bible gives an account of Rahab becoming the great-great-grandmother of David. Rahab gave birth to Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. Rahab's life foreshadowed the spiritual access that would be made for all Gentiles. So when this, what we want to call today religion began, the Jews was who it was first presented with. And they thought they had a lock on it. And they thought that they're the people of hope and everybody else is hopeless. And then there came a harlot. Today, us as Gentiles are in the kingdom because a harlot decided she had faith and she believed God and she come to know God and she showed it in all of her action so we're sitting here tonight we're standing here tonight because of a harlot will we ever look down on anybody else when we realize our salvation came as Gentiles through a harlot how do we look down on people how do we criticize people how can we talk bad about people when we only receive our salvation because a harlot because before Rahab, all Jews. Now, did God have a plan to make sure everybody was going to be saved, Jews or Gentiles? Yes. But this was the one that brought it in for us. This is who brought it in for us. God is something. I, I, I wonder. I, 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 I wonder about us when we're going to really see people the way Jesus wants us to see them? When are we going to start seeing people the way Jesus wants us to see them? Because if we would start seeing people the way Jesus wants us to see them, oh man, life would be so much different. God is speaking to us tonight. And one of the things he's trying to get us to understand is he has chosen the, the, the things that, that is less than to show the world his great power and his love. Because if he would have just used all the things that were great, we probably would just not see it the way we need to see it. But God has chosen the ways of less than to show us the right way. When he came to this world, he didn't come and be born to this wonderful great family. He came to a girl that was young. He came to a girl that was not married. She was betrothed to be, 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 thrilled to be married, but she wasn't married. And so why did he choose to, to be born through this little virgin girl that was supposed to be married but wasn't really married? So now as he grow up, Joseph's stepdad, Mary was a young girl, his mom, and now people are looking around. Ooh, she's kind of young to have that baby. That's how he came in this world. We came having salvation because of a harlot. And we can go on and on and on how God does his work through the things that we would look at as looked down on. The woman at the well, we know her story, and he chose to use her to be an evangelist to save a whole village. But yet and still, we don't look at each other the way we need to look at each other. We don't understand that we, once we've been all born again, we are a blessed and privileged people if we've been born again. And it doesn't matter if you got born again yesterday or you got born again in the 50s. If we are born again, we're all a blessed and privileged people. We're all in Christ and we have a position in Christ. We got to throw out the separation. We got to throw out the way how we like to look at things. We got to throw out the, the, the way how we do things because what we all, what a lot of us like to do is we have to show each other that, you know, we're doing well. And a lot of times we tend to put other people down so we can lift ourselves up. When in actuality, if you know anything, it's God that raises up and God that puts down. And so it don't make sense for you to try to raise yourself up because if God don't raise you up, you ain't really up. You're deceived that you're up, but you're really not up. But if God raised you up, then you're up. <laughs> Woo. Help us, Lord. 
Though as a Gentile, Rahab was without hope in the world, with no access to the promises of God, she came to know and believe in God, and that gave her hope because she came to know and believe in God. The two spies instructed Rahab to hang a line of scarlet thread from the window from which she had helped the spies escape. The line of scarlet thread was the way of escape for the two spies, and it would also become the way of escape for Rahab and her entire family. If you know the story, the the, the, the scarlet thread was used to lower them down. They got out of there, but the day came when God's people came to take their land that God promised them, and guess what? The only place that was not destroyed was the house that Rahab lived because the scarlet red cord was flowing down from that place where they would know oh that's the house that took care of God's people so make sure that we spare that family and so today we still understand that God is always up to something it wasn't a coincidence can you imagine that of all the cords in the house that they found a red cord a scarlet cord the low why it couldn't have been a white one why it couldn't have been a brown one why it couldn't have been some other color why that cord had to be red because God is sovereign because God is all-powerful because God is all-knowing and he allowed that cord to be red and they lowered it down it spared Rahab's family and today the thing that's sparing us and delivering us is that crimson blood of Jesus Christ that's why we can escape the destruction of sin it's because of that scarlet blood that red blood but it started with a thread that a harlot lowered we ought to get excited about that we ought to be excited about that to know where we're coming from and how God loves us and where he has started all this stuff God is working God is doing some great things but we got to open our eyes and see and just give him the praise and the honor and the glory Uh, Oh, my God. I need to be on fire for Jesus. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done, my soul cries out, Hallelujah, thank God for saving me. It wasn't an accident why you got saved, but it was deliberate. It was deliberate, my God, why we got saved. Oh, Jesus, help us, oh, great God. Help us, oh, great God. You have made us a blessed and privileged people. And we have a position in Christ. He has chosen us and set us so in the body. And we ought to praise him for that. We ought to celebrate him for that. We ought to give him praise for that. Oh, we give you praise and honor, Lord. We give you praise and honor, Lord God. You are worthy of the praise and honor. My God, it wasn't a brown cord. It wasn't a yellow cord. It wasn't a white cord. But God already knew that he was going to come into this world as a man. And he was going to sacrifice his life for every one of us. And what was going to make the difference was going to be his blood, his precious blood. He was going to save us by the shedding of his precious blood. And he started it way back then. Oh, my God. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a coincidence. You're not here just off a coincidence. You're not here by accident. It was always purposed in the mind of God why you will be here. It's not an accident. We can't just live this life wondering. Like this is an accident. Like we stumbled upon this. God had a plan and he worked that plan. And guess what? If he worked the plan to get you to this point, he will work the plan to get you to the end of where he's trying to take you. And so we need to say, God, keep working your plan. If you this good to get us to this place, you are good enough to get us where we need to go. We are a blessed 
and privileged people. And if you are not born again of the warden of the spirit, you need to be born again and come to experience this just great blessed and privileged life to take your position in Christ. Because when we take our position in Christ, we're really going to soar like eagles. When we take our position in Christ, we're going to soar like eagles. And we're not going to get to the point where we're frustrated about why am I not seeing things happening? When you take your position in Christ, things will begin to happen in your life like you've never seen. Nothing happens for anyone that does nothing. Until you start doing something, nothing happens. Uh, But when you start doing something, uh, a whole lot begins to happen. Listen, Rahab, she didn't say, I know your God and I know what he's done. But guess what? I can't let you in my house. (laughs) Come on. Can you imagine? She knew God was awesome like that. Can you imagine she knew God was powerful like that but did nothing? But when she did something, when she said, come on, I'm taking you up to the top of my house. Come on, come on, let's go. And she hid them, even told a lie. How does that work? I don't know. Don't ask me how she lie and still get blessed. Woo! That's the kind of stuff we like to look at as Christians. You know why? Because we're always trying to look for something to knock somebody down to put ourselves up. We're always doing that. So we got to say, we have lied, though. So, so, did that stop God from blessing her? So what we worrying about our life for? We are a blessed and privileged people. And I'm trying to get you get excited about that. To live with confidence. To live with boldness. To live making God the priority in your life. We have to live with God being priority in our life. Let's stand to our feet. We are a blessed and privileged people. I can't tell you how fortunate we are, how good God is to us. And we ought to start celebrating that a little bit more, especially in times like these. We ought to be celebrating that a little bit more. We get to the place where we will always question if you're halfway decent. You will always question, why did that happen to them, but it didn't happen to me? Because I'm no different from them. Why did it happen to them, but it didn't happen to me? And the only answer we will always have is God is not through with me yet. God is not fit. That's why he's allowing me to still be here. I don't know what that means on, uh, you know, the big picture because only God knows that. But what I'm saying is we have to look at life when we say, why am I still here? A lot of things could have happened to me, but I'm still here. I still have my strength. I still have my wits in my mind and all. Why am I here? Because God is not finished with me yet. That's why I'm still here. That's why you're still here. And that. How we have to look at it because people are dying at every age. But why am I still here? And there is nothing like accomplishing something that's worth accomplishing. Forget about just having life. I don't know if it's when you hit the 50s, you start thinking like this. But I just I'm I'm not interested in the things that life have to offer. Because I think if you live long enough to get to 50, you have a good grasp on what life is all about. And as Gentiles that have no hope, all you will see is a cycle. It's all a cycle when you don't have Christ in your life. It's just a cycle if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But when you get a relationship with him, oh, buddy, it's no cycle. There's a whole lot to explore. There's a whole lot to know that you don't know. There's a whole lot that you can do that you've never done when you know Christ, when you have a relationship with him. We are a blessed and privileged people. And the last thing I'm going to say is we ought to be like the men of God during that time where people will look at our life and say, 
There's something about them. And whatever it is about them, I like about it so I can have that as well. Because we are a blessed and privileged people. Let people see how blessed and privileged you are. Do you ever feel like you, 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 you happen to just things, good things just happen for you and you didn't even try? Good things just happen to you. You didn't even try. You didn't even do anything to make it happen. It just happened. And other people look and they probably wonder. They probably even get a little jealous depending on who they are because they're looking like, oh, my goodness. And then what the world will say about it is, man, that person is so lucky. (laughs) I'm not lucky, brother. I'm not lucky, sister. You're not lucky, brother. You're not lucky, sister. God is working purposely for his good and your good purposely he's not he's not just throwing stuff sticks he is working purposely in every way and because of that we are blessed and privileged when you have the author and finish of your faith when you have the way maker when you have the one who breathed breath into people's nostril and they became a living soul when you have the one that orchestrated and made and designed this world when you have him working in your life you are a blessed and privileged people we ought to live like that we got to live like that so more people could want to be like that it's all right for somebody to want to be like you if you're living a blessed and privileged life it's all right but we got to live that thing out in front of them they got to see it and wonder why Mm. Lord Jesus, we love you. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. You got a plan that you're working, Lord God. There's a plan that you're working, Lord God. And oh, my God, we thank you for including us. We thank you, Lord God, for making us a part of this wonderful and glorious plan that you're working, Lord God. And Lord, I can call myself blessed, not because I can bless myself. I can call myself privileged or my family provided any privilege for me. But no, because you gave me the opportunity to become a part of your family, to be a fellow citizen with the saints of God and be a part of the family, the household of God. And tonight, God, I just want to let you know how much you and beyond me, Lord God. And I am so thankful. I am so grateful. And I love you, Jesus. And I want your will to be done. I want your kingdom to manifest, almighty God. Help us, oh God, to live out that life of blessedness, to live out that life of being privileged, to live out that life of being a part of the family of God in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord God. And every day you allow us to walk this earth. Every day you allow us, Almighty God, to live out this blessed and privileged life. That we, Lord God, will inspire and influence others to want to have this life as well. Tonight, Lord God, I pray that somebody hearing this message, somebody that's hearing my voice, say to themselves, within themselves, I want that life. I don't want a pretend life, but I want a real blessed and privileged life. Lord, I pray that someone not born again of the water of the Spirit will be born again of the water and the Spirit. Oh God, that they will know who you are. Repent of their sins. Call on your name. Be baptized in your name and be filled with your Spirit. Living that privilege, that blessed life. Oh, God, have your way tonight. Oh, let your spirit have preeminence in our hearts, in our minds. Lord, I pray that you will come as a church, 
as an individual. Will you stir us like we've never been stirred before for your will to be done? We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And we thank you tonight, oh great God. There is none like you. Oh, how we adore you. Oh, how we bow down and worship you. Have your way tonight, Lord. As we go from this place, Lord God, will you let your hand be upon us? Will you allow your spirit to minister to us? Will you help us, Lord God, to be who you've called us to be, to live out that life that you've called us to live out? Oh, God, have your way tonight. We love you, Jesus. We love you, great God. We adore you, great God. We bless your name, oh, great God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we thank you tonight. We are holy name. There is none like you. There is none like you. Somebody love the Lord. Somebody adore him, worship him, and praise him. There is none like Jesus. There is none like Jesus. There is none like Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Oh, have your way, oh great God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we love you. God bless you, church. I love you. Have a great evening. See you back here Saturday evening for prayer and Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. Have a great evening. God bless you.
in the middle of the storm, in the middle of my trial, I'll still bless you. In the middle of the road, when I don't know where to go, I'll still bless you. In the middle of my storm, 